The following Dharma talk was given at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The speaker is Mark Nunberg, guiding teacher at Common Ground. Nice to see everybody on this summer night, beautiful summer night. And so if you're new, big welcome to you. Remember, if you're new to Buddhist studies, if you haven't been in a previous Buddhist studies over the last few years, then only you need to print your email on that sheet in the, on the table in the lobby. Then I'll add you to the uh, Buddhist studies email list. So you'll get the emails. I have one prepared that I'll send out tonight or tomorrow morning, but it would be nice to have everybody who's in the course get that email. So it makes it easy for me, if you're already receiving Buddhist studies emails, not to sign in, right? Only if you haven't been getting Buddhist studies emails, please sign in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So only the people who haven't been in over the last few years, you haven't been in any of the Buddhist studies. Because it's a cumulative list. So we have people who haven't taken a class in a number of years, but they're still on the list. And you can, by the way, always unsubscribe at the bottom of any Buddhist studies email. If you're ready to stop receiving them, you can just unsubscribe yourself, just so you know. So we're really fortunate to be able to gather like this, to have a beautiful space and a beautiful community, and to study these teachings of the Buddha. And so this class is really not just for an intellectual appreciation of the Buddhist teachings, but it's really designed for people who have a regular meditation practice. And so we're kind of bringing together this community work and the study work of listening and reading and the practice work, all three of those things together. And so we do kind of made up a prerequisite for the Buddhist study sequence that you have a regular sitting practice and again, just sort of um, made up criteria that you've done at least two meditation retreats, including something simple like a half-day retreat. So uh, that way, it's, it's kind of our way of knowing that you're into your practice, so that it isn't just going to be something you're here and studying, but you're here in community, and you're studying, and you're applying the teachings directly to, with your mind, with the work that we do with our mind and with our heart. And if you have any questions about that, you can just send me an email or you can talk to Gabe on Wednesday. He works Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays and he can help you figure out um, whether this is the right place for you and if you really want to be in it and you haven't done the retreats, how you can get those retreats in so that you feel like you've jumped through the right hoops to be here. So uh, at the beginning of each session, we'll chant the Buddhist refuges. And we do it a little bit different than what's traditional. We slow it down, partly because it's really nice to sing together. It just brings the community together to do this activity together. And it's a devotional piece. And uh, those of you who have been practicing for you for a while know it's it's challenging to cultivate present moment awareness. It's challenging to purify 
our relationships. It's challenging to purify the mind. It's challenging to transform our view. It's challenging. We really seem to like being tight (laughs) and attached and reactive in the ways that we are. And so one of the things that seems to help is to bring our complete self to the practice. And all of us to some degree, and some of us to a large degree, are really devotional creatures. And uh, singing in this devotional way, basically the three refuges are singing praise to our practice. Buddha means we're quite devoted to wakefulness, this potential that we come across time to time in our practice, in our daily life, this potential to be present, to be awake, to be intimate in a way that's really simple, profoundly simple. So that's what we mean by the Buddha, this inherent quality of wakefulness. And what do we, what does the Buddha wake up to, right? That quality, it wakes up, it's intimate with Dhamma, the way it is. So that's the second refuge. We're also falling in love with that. We're falling in love with this awareness that can be open, unafraid, clear, intimate, and its capacity to be intimate with the way it is right now. And any moment will do. Dhamma is quite alive. It's changing, of course, moment by moment by moment. But this is our life. And it's so easy for us to miss it you know, because our thoughts seem so important, being lost in thought or lost in activities, absorbed in this and that. So this is the basic dynamic of our practice, Buddha and Dhamma. Buddha knowing Dhamma, this intimacy of awareness and the way it is. And there's something beautiful that comes out of it, and that's the third refuge of Sangha. So it doesn't just mean, you know, as we generally use it as spiritual community, but it's really talking about the kind of freedom and nimbleness and wisdom and love that is the natural expression of Buddha knowing Dhamma. So when there is that wakeful quality, being intimate with the moment, then we're a different kind of human being than normal. When we're not awake, but we're distracted and reactive, not really connecting with the present moment, but mostly just connecting with our thoughts about things, but not aware that we're thinking, right? In, in a way, in that way, our thoughts sort of substitute for Dhamma, but they're just our thoughts, but they seem like the truth or the way it is. So, at the beginning of each class, we'll chant or sing the three refuges together slowly. And if you can, especially for those of you who have that devotional quality more developed, really, as you're singing, chanting, really appreciate this capacity we have, this possibility of waking up to the way it is and expressing the beautiful qualities of wisdom and love that flow out of that intimacy, because the real danger in life is to be distracted, like to get involved with things that ultimately aren't that important, and to realize 
You know, I've missed what's really important in my life. So by making it an object of love, like it helps us remember, oh yeah, this is what's really important in my life. And maybe I can do some of the other things I want to do too, like raise a family or have a job or, you know, take a vacation. But it's in the context of Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha, waking up to the way it is and expressing the beautiful qualities of that intimacy, love and wisdom, compassion and wisdom. That's what makes, I mean, you can see for yourself, but for me and I think for many of us, that's what makes life worth living. I mean, being a human being is a difficult endeavor. And the only thing that apparently works, you know, is distraction, like not, you know, having a break a lot of the time from being honest, that being a human being is difficult and there's a lot of suffering. So even when our life is smooth and things are going our way, it's still difficult because a lot of other people aren't doing so well. And the only way we can really take advantage of those moments when things are going well for us is to be imagine somehow we're disconnected or unaware of the very real suffering around us. So what's a human being to do? And that's where this practice comes in. You'll see that any path, any way of being, way of living that involves being disconnected or in our bubble, or whatever bubble, whatever particular quality of the bubble might be, even like relatively nice bubbles, that being in a bubble means being disconnected. And that's stressful and it causes stress for others too. It creates problems. You're not able to be sangha, that sort of natural activity of wisdom and love. You're something else, basically protecting your bubbles. I mean, that's what we do most of the time. We're dependent on our bubble and we're, we feel threatened by anything that threatens our bubble, right? And then we get a world like this world. And we can't say that we're not complicit because to the degree we're defending our bubble, whatever it might be, even the bubble of distractedness and ignorance and being unaware of how suffering moves, how it keeps in motion, how it keeps repeating, we're still complicit we're st- and we're feeling that effect. Just because we're not aware that we're suffering, this is such a powerful reflection that I've heard from my teachers and really in my practice rings true. Just because we know we're not, just because we think we're not suffering doesn't mean we're not suffering. So let's go ahead and sing this together. Look over someone's shoulder. I think there's probably still more out in the lobby if you need to get one or don't have one near you. And then we'll, I'll give some guided meditation instructions. This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org.